Hello, everyone. Welcome to Power Up Women, our cross-generational, cross-cultural conversation about leadership, power, and social justice through a female lens. I'm Ann Doyle. Besides hosting Power Up Women, I also host the Game Changers podcast of the International Women's Forum, which is a preeminent network of over 7,000 women leaders from 33 countries and six continents. As a member of IWF's global board, I am allowed to share each month one of the compelling leadership conversations I'm privileged to have with a fascinating IWF Game Changers. So enjoy. percent of us get our period and if you don't get a period you come from somebody who does so it affects everybody and it's really that shame and stigma that we can't end period poverty unless we address that shame and stigma and media must play a role in that Hello, everyone. Welcome to IWF Game Changers, a monthly conversation with some of the trailblazing members of the International Women's Forum. I'm Ann Doyle. Let's talk about life in leadership. Today's guest, Rochelle Courtenay, is the founder and managing director of Share the Dignity, an Australian nonprofit focused on ending period poverty. It was 2015 when Rochelle first realized the anguish that homeless women or those fleeing domestic violence experience during their menstrual periods. And rather than wonder why someone wasn't doing something about it, she began to collect sanitation products and donate them to homeless shelters. As Rochelle grasped the size of the need and began forming her vision for tackling it, she began recruiting volunteers and founded sharethedignity.com. Three years later, she was chosen to present her vision for ending period poverty at the 2018 IWF Global Conference in Miami as part of the Ideas Changing the World segment. Since then, Share the Dignity has distributed nearly 3 million sanitary pads and tampons across Australia, recruited 5,661 passionate volunteers, and installed over 300 dignity vending machines in schools, shelters, public toilets, and Aboriginal health centers. Welcome, Rochelle Courtenay. Thank you so much for having me here. Well, you're joining us from down under, I know. What part of Australia are you in? I'm in sunny Queensland in Brisbane. And of course, it's winter there, although lovely and sunny, right? Yeah, it's about 23 degrees and it's winter and blue skies. It's a dream. (laughs) Well, you know, I was at that 2018 global conference in Miami where you presented your vision for ending period poverty. And I remember it as a very, very powerful moment that really awakened in all the global leaders in that audience to this issue that impacts women everywhere. So what triggered your passion for tackling and solving what you call period poverty? 
Yeah, look, I read an article back in 2016 that talked about how many women were experiencing homelessness, but the problem that I found inside that was that they were using socks and newspaper and wadded up toilet paper to deal with their period, and I could not believe that that was happening in Australia. And I suppose my my thing about that is the same as what was in that room that day that I presented. There isn't a woman anywhere in the world who wouldn't be empathetic to understanding that another woman is having to use socks or newspaper or wadded up toilet paper to deal with their period. Socks and newspapers and toilet paper? Yeah, and it's real. I've heard other scenarios of people using mattress foam out in Indigenous communities. You know what? Now that we know that this problem exists, we must fix it everywhere in the world, let alone here in Australia, the lucky country, right? We have a little sense of what touched you first. But then what did you start to do as you started to form your nonprofit and started bringing others in? Yeah, look, when I started Share the Dignity, it was really um, in my local community. So I asked, I had my own personal training business back then. I asked all of my clients to give me one packet of pads or tampons for every wine they'd had that month. And they all just bought me pads and tampons. (laughs) Um, We did okay, but it wasn't like we were giving a woman a warm jacket and it kept her warm for years. It was a monthly problem. And so 450 packets of pads or tampons only went to five different charities and didn't last very long. So, um, you know, it was setting up a little Facebook page and, you know, nearly everybody on that page I knew, the 200 of them. And then in the May, this time, um, six years ago, I then wanted to do another collection and it went kind of viral around Australia. And it was like, I knew then that I needed to make sure every person in Australia knew about it because we could solve the problem by just donating the packet of pads and tampons. So we now have two collections in a year, so March and August. Um, and then we work with around 3,000 charities around Australia. So from every domestic violence shelter to the homelessness shelters to those that help um, those that um, are experiencing poverty to our remote Indigenous communities and our drought-stricken farmers, the problem's so much greater than I ever imagined. So um, sometimes you'll see me rocking in a fetal position because never in a million years did I realise that I had to have a board of directors, a constitution, pay fees and permits in every state and have insurances for any volunteer to pick up anything. It was much bigger along the way and I just knew I needed to surround myself with amazing people and that I did and, and you know, now we sit back and we've got five and a half thousand volunteers and we're on to our third lot of board um, and every board member that's come along has served a purpose in that in that time to take us to a new level. Will you, it began with you noticing and thinking about women who are homeless and women who are fleeing domestic violence. Uh, Will you, I'm sure you've heard stories from many, many women. Can you give our listeners a little sense of um, it's bad enough when they're in a situation like that, but add on the complication that uh, some of us just take for granted that is something really easy to deal with, your period. I mean, I could share a hundred stories, but I'll share probably one that's etched itself into my heart was a young girl. Well, she wasn't a young girl anymore. She was a uh, 24-year-old with a newborn bub at a domestic violence refuge who talked about um, being a 14-year-old girl and living on the streets because um, she it was safer for her to live on the streets than it was to be in the home that she was in because of family violence. And that she knew to go into the laundry mat and steal socks to put into her underwear to be able to deal with her period. 
five years and you know that trauma never really left her you know being that she was 24 and then in a domestic violence refuge and she knew that if she didn't steal pads from the stop shopping center that she would either have to choose formula for her baby or pads for herself so you know that cycle of what would we do if we didn't have access to them is very real and for many women who've fled domestic violence and they're living in their car, they're literally choosing between having to buy sanitary items or food to, to feed their family. So it began with uh, thinking about homeless women and thinking about domestic violence, but now I know you're going into schools. What's your thinking about the, the vending machines? And tell us about that initiative. Yeah, look, the vending machines came about because I was in a homelessness hub and I was standing behind the counter talking to one of the managers there. and this young woman when she was about 37 and there was another woman who was in a wheelchair at this homelessness hub and she came in and she came to the counter and the counter was caged with two men and she said can I have um some pads or tampons and one guy said to the other do you know where the pads or tampons are and he said yeah they're upstairs so he came back down from upstairs why they were upstairs is beyond me but anyway um he goes do you want pads or tampons and she said can I have them both and he turned to the guy and said can she have them both and I stood behind and just said please, can you just give them both to her? Do you know that there is never in a million years would I have gone up to that counter and asked for them, let alone asked for both of them, let alone still stood there with any dignity and grace waiting for them. So I really thought that there had to be a more dignified way for women to get access to them because I knew I would never ask for them. And you know what? I had I had a home. I had my own belongings. I felt like I probably had my own dignity. Could you imagine not having all of those things, how hard that question is? Um, so I came up with what was known as the world's first dignity vending machine. Um, it was. It took a lot of no's. I had a lot of no's, really. Um, but no didn't really mean no. It just meant find another way. So <laughs> we're there to make money. But this vending machine would dispense a period pack for free. And I needed to have a timing mechanism on them so I didn't see them all wasted on the floor. So women could have access to sanitary items without having to ask anybody. And that was the key to it. I remember putting a dignity um, vending machine into a homeless, uh, a domestic violence service up in Cairns in Queensland. And a woman, when we unveiled it on the Thursday, she'd come into the DV service on the Monday, battered and bruised and had a little girl and she said, I came in, I needed help for food, accommodation, I needed some psychological help for my daughter, I needed to get out, I've been in here three times, it's embarrassing, and I needed help to, to get break this cycle. She said, and I got my period on the Tuesday, she said, I just sat in the bathroom and cried and cried and cried because she didn't feel like she could go out there and ask for one more thing. So then the vending machine was installed on the Wednesday and she got access to sanitary items and she said she could feel the anxiety leave her body because she knew it was one less thing that she needed to worry about. The cuddle that I got from that woman on the Thursday and that story has stayed with me forever, and that's why we do it. So installing those vending machines into homelessness hubs, into domestic violence services, into schools, knowing that there are girls that miss school because they don't have access to sanitary items, as a mother, that's not okay. It's not okay that somebody else's daughter can't get an education and yet mine did. That's not right. The only way that we can break the cycle for girls in poverty is to make sure that they get that education and they have access to the very fundamentals of basic human rights. You came, grew up in the school from hard knocks. I mean, your your mother uh, fled 
a situation of domestic violence when you were very, very young. Um, I'm sure you draw on that experience in terms of your your deep empathy and awareness and wanting to do something about this. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there is a grand percentage of women who are experiencing homelessness because of domestic violence. Um, the trauma that women suffer from family violence, whether that be sexual assault from families, violence, it, it, it's whatever it is. But when we're not dealing with that, we're ending up with women who are experiencing homelessness, who are going back into domestic violence relationships because they know no better and that trauma has never been fixed. It, it leads to such a never-ending cycle of, of trauma in their life. So... I absolutely am empathetic with all of that and you never know somebody's story until you sit and hear it. So never judge anybody by what they look like or what they are in front of you. Um, I had suffered severely from endometriosis, so I couldn't have imagined a life without a washing machine, a shower, extra pair of underwear, a hot water bottle, Panadol and chocolate, let alone not having <laughs> access to pads and tampons. Like the I never imagined a life without them and I couldn't fathom it. So I think that probably if I'd never suffered from endometriosis, would share the dignity exist? I don't know. Probably not, really, to be honest. But it is our job. Now that we know, you can't unhear it. You can't unhear that girls are having to steal socks from a laundromat. It's our job to make a difference. And if that's happening in Australia, it's happening everywhere in the world. Right. And the other complicating piece about this is the fact that it's a topic that not everyone is as comfortable as you are about talking about this. Uh, what kind of reaction did you get from the news media when you first started trying to take this um, public in a big way? Yeah, look, that's been really interesting. And even six years on, you will have never seen Share the Dignity be talked about on um, the breakfast radio, uh, the breakfast TV shows or nighttime because when we've pitched to them, they've said, oh, no one wants to talk about that at breakfast time. Oh, we're not touching that while people are eating their dinner. Um, If you don't get Really? Your, yeah. Look, 51% of us get our period, and if you don't get a period, you come from somebody who does. So it affects everybody, and it's really that shame and stigma that we can't end period poverty unless we address that shame and stigma, and media must play a role in that. You now have corporate sponsors uh, as this has grown and uh, all across Australia. I mean, how did you uh, cross that bridge? Yeah, I, to be very honest, I had a very in-depth vision board right at the very beginning. And that vision board still keeps me going. And I knew, I knew that, and this is very honest, that there isn't very many charities that a business can make money from. So share the dignity. We are asking the consumers to go into your business buy those pads and tampons and leave them in a collection box. That's a win-win for most supermarkets and pharmacies. So um, that was easy from that perspective. It was, you know, and then they watched us, but it was also a lot of the businesses that we work with are female-led. So they get it, they understand that they want to play a role. So, it, it, you know, it's been a very interesting journey from that perspective. I don't think I also know that, again, my major role in this was to make sure everybody in Australia knew about the problem. So I went to all of those really big brands that were already talking to the women that we were wanting to hear the problems. 
the other incredible thing that made international news was the fact that you were part of the fight to end the tampon tax in Australia. And I believe you're one of the first countries in the world to do that. Yeah, and rightfully bloody so, right? <laughs> exactly. In there in the first place. Like that tax was there for 20 years. I literally said to the government, we are going to do a class action suit and ask for all of our money back if you do not remove this ridiculous, archaic and sexist tax. It shouldn't be anywhere in the world in the first place. Um, but we are grateful that it has now been removed from the 1st of January, but it was literally a structured campaign um, during a, a federal election that we had to be part of. And I think, as I recall, it was uh, a tax on non-essential items. Is that correct? I mean, some, uh, some man somewhere decided that uh, these are non-essential items? Well, and that was the problem that we were fighting, right? So when you look at when the tax was brought in, there was one woman sitting at that table of not, you know, of ten. Now we're starting to look at some equal representation around um, the political boardroom, so we can actually start to make the changes that needs to be made. In Australia, our next big fight is to to have bring back the pad. We you can't have pads or tamp pads and tampons are not given in hospitals. Um, you can what? get a bad cat scan but you can't get pads and tampons in hospitals in Australia anymore. You've got to take your own. That's cool. But actually, when I was fleeing domestic violence and I've ended up here, I didn't have time to pack them. And sometimes I don't have money. It's a pad or tampon. They should be as accessible as Band-Aids. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. So what's next uh, in your vision? This is uh, perhaps, I imagine, a model for the world. Yeah, look, Share the Dignity definitely leads the world in eradicating period poverty and some of the learnings that we've done. We are actually starting to pull together a global period poverty forum that will take place in Australia uh, next year on October 10, 11 and 12. Um, we do have Zoom on board. So for anyone who's in Nigeria or India or anywhere around the world can actually take part. And that's really important because this is a this is a global problem. So how do we... Um, learn from each other and work together to eradicate period poverty around the world. You had also mentioned doing research. Um, what is it about research uh, in terms of this issue that, uh, that you're working on and that, that we need? Unfortunately, again, it is one of the most unresearched topics in the world. So we are actually just finishing up a global, a um, bloody big survey, and we have 27,000 um, respondents in Australia, and we're, we need that data. We need that data to be able to make federal changes. How many girls have had to miss school? What I'm finding interesting is how many women have missed work? How many girls don't go to sport because of their period? And we're not just talking about getting out of swimming because we've all done that, right? Um, oh, yeah. We're talking about the impact on being a female and what the menstrual cycle has on that. What we like to do out of that research is to, to make some changes here in Australia, but we'd also like to look at what does that what is globally that research need, that we need to be able to make changes around the world? And I know you're the mother of two daughters, I believe. Um, what do you see in terms of this next generation of young women and maybe the, the young men in their lives that you are around um, in terms of our attitudes changing? Yeah, look, they are. I know that when I very first started Share the Dignity, you could not have Googled a picture of men or children or anyone holding pads and tampons. I'm so I'm so thrilled, thrilled to, sh to 
Google share the dignity and see pictures of men in their workplace holding pads and tampons. This beautiful picture of a granddad and her, his grandson last year donating at our collection boxes. I think if we can try to remove that shame and stigma and that girls and boys are educated in the same way um, around the world, you know, in Australia, around the world, then that's a difference that we make. But ultimately, I am the mother of two beautiful daughters. I'm a grandmother of a son. I want everyone to have access to be able to do whatever they want, whenever they want. That should be the rule of all of us, right? Absolutely. What can our listeners do? It, wherever they are in the world uh, to support you and to maybe learn from what you're doing uh, to uh, tackle this problem worldwide? Yeah, look, I'd love anybody's support. Reach out to me if you feel like you can help us to eradicate period poverty in the world. Um, anyone who um, can help us pull together that global period poverty forum with any skill set that I may not have or we may not have, that would be amazing. But really, let's all talk about periods openly. Let's have that conversation. Let's remove that shame and stigma. That's the most powerful thing we can all do. And how do people get in touch with you? They can get in touch with me by heading to www.sharethedignity.org.au and just complete that contact form or reach out on LinkedIn. It was a pleasure to talk with you, Rochelle Courtenay, founder and managing director of Share the Dignity whose vision for ending period poverty was featured on the IWF global stage as an idea remaking the world in 2018. So we want to remind our listeners that proposals for this year's idea remaking the world presentations are being accepted through June 9th. To submit yours, simply go to the IWF website at iwforum.org where you will find an Ideas Remaking the World application form. So thank you for joining us for this episode of Game Changers. We hope you'll join us again as we talk about life in leadership. I'm Ann Doyle. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Game Changers, featuring members of the International Women's Forum. It is my pleasure to each month share one of these conversations with global women leaders with our Power Up Women listeners. So to learn more about IWF and the multiple ways it lives its mission to advance women's leadership and champion equality worldwide, take a look at their website, iwforum.org. So have a good week. Let's go power up. And remember, when one woman rises, we all rise. Don't forget to reach back and lift others as you climb.